Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. You're listening to Radical Philosophy on Radio 3CR at 8.55 on your AM dial. And I'm Karen Green from the University of Melbourne. Like some food for thought? Tune in to Radical Philosophy with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil and rational argument. With words from Midgley, Caputi, Adams, Stewart, Wolf, and Hagen Gruber. Let's get radical about philosophy. tuning into Radical Philosophy. I'm your host, Beth Matthews. Today on the program, I'm going to be speaking to Dr. Luada Fasioli about citizenship for children. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Beth, for having me. Now, first of all, could you give us a little bit of background information about yourself? So I studied political science and political theory as an undergrad student in Brazil, and then I was really interested in political theory. So when I moved to Australia, I, I enrolled in a master's in philosophy at the University of Melbourne. And then later I undertook a PhD in philosophy at the Australian National University, also in philosophy. And, and yes, I've been studying philosophy for a while now. <laughs> and now I'm a lecturer in political philosophy at the University of Sydney. Well, great. What was it that inspired your interest in citizenship for children? So during my PhD, I wrote a thesis on the ethics of immigration. And of course, questions of citizenship are very important in that overall topic. But I hadn't yet developed my own view of what keeps some individuals, say adults or children, a moral right to citizenship. But of course, I had some background in that literature as a result of my thesis. After I finished my PhD, I became very interested in questions relating to childhood, philosophy of childhood, children's rights, etc. And then I realized that there were actually some questions that were at the intersection of these two areas, so children's rights and the ethics of immigration. So, you know, what, who counts as a child refugee, for example? That would be one question. Or why should we have family migration schemes that protect the right of families to be together in a, in a recipient state. And another question was the question, what, what grounds an individual's moral right to citizenship, and in particular, what grounds the right of children to have citizenship? Because all the accounts that were out there in the literature focused on things like autonomy, the ability to pursue important life plans, the, the, the ability to participate in politics, etc., and that, of course, was much more uh, relevant for adults, but also the citizenship principles we have in place, the legal principles in liberal societies, are uh, principles that don't seem to do justice to all children who need citizenship. And so that's why I started writing on that topic. Could you tell us a little bit about the debate over the ethics of immigration? Yeah, so that debate is divided between basically three groups. <laughs> there are um, philosophers who think that justice, 
global justice requires open borders, so states should only exclude prospective immigrants if, for example, there would be a threat to to, to security, uh, to domestic security, or it would lead to social chaos, you know. So in extreme circumstances, states should be able to exclude prospective immigrants, but the general rule should be that people should be able to move freely across the world and, and settle in whatever state they deem fit. So these are the open borders uh, proponents uh, in the literature. Uh, on the other side, you have people who think that the state's right to control their borders is a very important right. It's a part and parcel of their right to self-determination. If we take away the right of political communities to exclude prospective immigrants, you basically undermine their ability to be self-determining. And some philosophers think that even when it comes to refugees, there is a right on the part of political communities to make their own decisions. Of course, these arguments are are qualified, and there there is an expectation that if states are not going to include refugees, they have to assist them where they are or engage in uh, military intervention, etc. It's not that there are no more obligations to vulnerable people living abroad, but it's just that the state's right to control their borders is so strong that gives states a lot of leeway in how they go about discharging their obligations at the international level. So there are this kind of, let's say, two sides of the debate, and then there's this middle ground position that tries to create a compromise or uh, develop a compromise between the, the different moral considerations that the different sides kind of uh, emphasize. So some philosophers think that, sure, states do have a right to control their borders. It is part and parcel of their right, kind of a significant component of their right to self-determination, but the scope of that right is quite limited. The moral obligations that states have towards non-members are very stringent, and they demand that states tailor their immigration uh, policies in a way that is in line with their moral, their moral obligations to people living abroad. So, for example, they think that ref- that states to, should do much more when it comes to uh, supporting the refugee protection regime, that liberal states should be taking more people in, that family that we might have, an, uh, that we should, that we might have to rethink our understanding of the family for, for family migration purposes and allow, you know, people that citizens are kind of in a caring relationship with or a, f- a strong friendship with, etc. So there, there's this m- middle ground view, as it were, that does, doesn't go all the way to open borders, but ends up with a position that gives less control, that allows less control on the part of states when it comes to immigration. In which ways are immigration rights violated? I mean, many ways. So, for example, if you think that refugees should have a right to settle permanently in a safe state, we know that not many refugees are given permanent residency visas, right? They're not allowed to settle permanently. They're put on temporary visas. You might think that that's a violation of a of an immigration right on the part of refugees, the right to settle in a safe state on a permanent basis. Of course, some refugees are settled permanently, but not all of them, and some are not settled at all, right? They spend years and years in in, in refugee camps. So that's one 
uh, clear case. The use of detention, especially ongoing detention on the part of states, it's very hard to justify three, four years, five years of detention when the state should, on the part of a liberal state, they should just come up with a decision. And if someone is a refugee, they should either try and organize a, some sort of resettlement scheme with another state or settle those people in their territory. So what Australia does now, where it has kept people in detention center to basically make a point and, and deter people from coming to Australia by boat, that's hard, very hard to justify. You have to, to, you can't leave people in a position of limbo for so long. They have to be, you need to put them in a position where they can move on with their lives. So this kind of use of, the, of detention as a way of deterring immigrants and, and refugees from coming to a liberal state, that's, I think, a violation of, a, a, you might want to call it an immigration right. And then, you know, you might have rights to do with your the ability to settle in the state in, in kind of and receive support. So, if we are allowing people to immigrate to our state, especially vulnerable people, to to say Australia, but not giving them adequate support, then again, we might be violating a, an immigration right. I think there are many rights that relate to immigration, so it's hard to talk about an immigration right. But basically the idea is that even if states have a right to control their borders, some people have very strong, a very strong moral claim to immigrate, either because they're refugees or because they have a family member in the state. And when they have such a claim, the, the liberal state should include them in a way that puts them in a position to move on with their lives and, and pursue the things they care about. What is the challenge for statism? Again, there are many challenges because state is, is a position that sees the state as kind of having moral significance, and there is now a very strong move in philosophy towards what's called cosmopolitanism, right? So every, all human beings should have, or the, the, the strong version that all human beings should have equal opportunities, and so states get in the way of people enjoying equal opportunities in their lives because, of course, if you're a citizen of a wealthy state, you're in a better, much better position to pursue the things you care about. If, you, if you're unlucky and you're born in a very poor state, then you're in a much worse position to, do, to pursue the things you care about, let alone meet your basic needs. So there's a very kind of compelling position in political philosophy called cosmopolitanism, moral cosmopolitanism, that starts with the idea that we need to arrange our institutions in a way that does justice to the idea that all human beings are equally entitled to, say, opportunities or to have their, or to, or, or, or equally entitled to similar level of respect. There are different ways of cashing that out, but however you cash that out, it's going to be very hard to justify the current institutions we have in place where we have some states that are extremely affluent and some states that are very poor. So if you're a statist, you're saying, yes, that's true. All human beings matter equally. We should always think of human beings as having equal moral status, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there's something valuable about the state. We can't we need to kind of reform the international institutions we have. Certainly, 
reform domestic institutions, so make states more just and make, put states in a position where they can, they can do, they can take their moral obligations to non-members more seriously, but we shouldn't get rid of the state. But of course, uh, progress is, uh, we, we haven't made much progress on that, right? So states, of course, states take human rights more seriously than they, than they have. Liberal democratic states take human rights more seriously than they have 100 years ago. There has been progress. But if you are a cosmopolitan, you worry that this pro- the progress is not coming fast enough and that you might need to that we might need to come up with new institutions. So the statist needs to explain why is it that we should hold on to the state despite the fact that we haven't managed to make the state fit for purpose. That is, have states, liberal states, that really ensure that all human beings have their human rights protected and promoted. So that's one kind of main challenge. And then another challenge is, in the area of immigration, another challenge is to justify the right of states to control their borders when that right gets in the way of people who are trying to seek better lives for themselves, right? So we just discussed the fact that opportunities are distributed unequally across the globe, that whether you're born in Australia or Congo will make a huge difference in how well your life goes. And now we're saying that on top of that, you can't just pack your suitcase and come to Australia in order to seek a better life for yourself. So this, if you're a statist, statist who also believes that states have a right to control their borders, there is the, the kind of, the burdens on you to show that there's something really significant about the right to control your borders that justifies excluding people, even people who, who enjoy worse opportunities in their countries of origin. Why are children morally owed citizenship in their state of residence? Yeah, so so we have this kind of difficulty in showing that the right to control your the the state's right to control their borders is kind of um, can be justified in light of the unequal opportunities that people have access to at the global level, and then on top of that, you have this other challenge, which is once you've given a good account or a plausible account as to why states have that right, it looks like that right can also give the, or, or, or entitle them to exclude children who are, are born in the state. Why? Well, most justifications for the state's right to exclude will appeal to their right to self-determination, right, to make their own decisions about who should become new members of the state, and once you accept that argument, then it's, a sh- it's not too hard to, to see that that argument would also apply to children. So if it's up to the political community, say up to Australians to decide who should become a member of Australia, then why shouldn't it also be up to Australians to decide if children who are born here should also become members of so the newborn is in a similar position to the prospective immigrant. They're both trying to kind of join that community as new members. And if we're already granted that it's up to us, say Australians, to decide if we're going to accept or allow a prospective immigrant to join new members of our society, then why shouldn't it also be up to us to decide 
if, if we want to include so-called newcomers by birth, so children who are born in the territory. So that's a challenge, and that uh, connects with, the, with your, one of your first questions about why I was interested in the question of why children have a right to citizenship. It looks like you can only resist that move if you have a good... If you, of course, if you're an open borders theorist, it's very easy to resist that conclusion. You don't even think states have a right to control their borders, so you're not worried about children being excluded. But if you're not an open borders theorist, if you think states have a right to control their borders, then now you need to tell a very, a very compelling story about why children have a right to citizenship that will explain why is it that the political community can't just say we're going to exclude newcomers by birth, we're going to exclude those who are born here. There's something about children that is different from the prospective immigrant who wants to join us. Perhaps it's something, perhaps the child in, in the, 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 the moral claim that children have is kind of uh, on a par with the claim that refugees have. Because many people, most philosophers who believe that states have a right to control their, their boards will say, yes, but that right is, is constrained by the right of refugees to seek a safe place. So it's not an absolute right. And, I, and then you tell us some story about why refugees have a right to uh, move. And so you have to tell a similar story that shows that the right of children to become members of the community where they're born is equally strong. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What are children owed as a matter of justice? Well, so I think children are actually owed much more than we as a society give them. I have... I happen to have a very high bar for what uh, children are entitled to. I think children are owed the conditions for leading good lives, not just minimally decent lives, and that has all sorts of implications, right? So children have to have access to a great level of education, a great level of health. Children have to have their rights robustly protected and promoted. Children have to enjoy intimate relationships with people who actually take their job seriously. So it's not good enough to just not abuse and neglect your child. To count as a, for you to count as a moral parent, you have to actually create the conditions for your child's life to go well. So I have a very high bar and <laughs> for, for what children are owed as a matter of justice, and I think that creates duties both on the part of states and family members or carers. So there are some rights on the part of children that can be best promoted by parents and others, as they say, carers more generally, if, if you are uh, playing the parental role. For example, the, the interest on the part of the child to be part of a, a loving relationship, obviously, or affection, that's not something that the state can provide that will be provided by family members or, or, or let's just say parents, but think of parents in this broad way, whoever is playing the parental role. And I also think, but there are, there are some interests of children that are best protected by the state, the right of children to education, health care, etc. Of course, parents play a role there, but the state is in a unique position to create the conditions for children to enjoy a high level of health care and education, for example. And so I think that creates a duty of justice on the part of the state to create those conditions. It's not good enough for 
states to aim at this kind of sufficiency threshold where they do a good enough job. But instead of thinking of kind of the, the basic rights of the child, the state should be really putting a lot of resources into giving children kind of the best shot at leading good lives in childhood. And, of course, that will have an effect on how well their lives go in adulthood, but even for children who are not going to make it into adulthood, right? So some children will die. They're not going to become adults. That shouldn't matter. They're all the conditions for good childhood. And unfortunately, and that's just a side comment, in society now we, we, we I think we also, not only we, we are too happy to, or too tolerant of states and parents that just, uh, go for this, you know, aim at this very low bar and basically think that so long as children are not being abused and neglected, everything is fine. But also I think we're moving this very problematic direction where we think of what children are owed in childhood as in purely instrumental terms. So we think about the things that children need for adulthood. And in so doing, we we fail to kind of create the conditions for children to enjoy the goods of childhood, the, the things that make their childhoods go well, such as playing, right, and, and being carefree. And so when we make children go to school and then on top of that spend three, four hours practicing an instrument or doing all these other activities, and then we don't let them play because we think that that will put them in a better position to say, excel later on in life, we are not doing justice to children because we should not only create the conditions for them to lead good adulthoods, of course we should, but not at the expense of them leading good childhoods. So that's another uh, kind of uh, duty of justice that we have to protect their childhoods, create the conditions for them to enjoy the goods that are only available in childhood, such as the goods of play and, and carefreeness, etc., Yes, that's a that's a really good point. Now, I think you've partly answered this question, but who has duties of justice towards children? Yeah, so I think the state and parents. These are the primary duty bearers. So, of course, the state is representing society at large. Of course, there are times where you can have a duty because you're a bystander, right? You're you're seeing a child being being abused, for example. That gives you a duty to act, absolutely. We have duties of rescue, not only to children, but to adults. But the primary duty bearers here are the parents or the carers uh, and, uh, and the state. And how does citizenship fit into this picture? Yeah, so I think that, so remember that I mentioned the importance of providing an account a kind of compelling account as to why children are owed citizenship that would then protect children from a political community that simply, you know, decides that they want to exclude them from citizenship. And I think the the moral right to citizenship on the part of children is actually grounded on this interest that children have to be effectively paternalized by their state of residence. So I already said that the state has to create the conditions for children's lives to go well. And not only that, they have to do so robustly. And we have very good empirical evidence that uh, when children are citizens of a state, 
they enjoy much better access to very important rights or rights that are necessary for their lives to go well. So when children are citizens, they they enjoy the either they enjoy a better kind of bundle of legal rights to healthcare, education, etc. And even if they live in a society where you don't need to be a citizen to get a full package of rights, so some liberal democratic states have moved towards basically giving immigrant children the same rights as children who are citizens. But even when that has happened, that has been a result of kind of a certain political facts that could well change. So at the moment, that political community believes that it's important to extend the rights of citizenship to immigrant children, but they could easily change their minds, whereas with citizenship always guarantees the best bundle of legal rights. To be a citizen of a state is to have access to all the important legal rights that are available in a society. There's no better bundle of rights than the bundle that comes with citizenship. And so if we really want children to be given the conditions to lead good lives, we better give them the best bundle of legal rights. And citizenship does that, and it does that robustly. It doesn't matter what is going on in politics. It you know, doesn't matter what the politics of the day is. If you are a citizen of a society, you get the best bundle of legal rights that that is available. And that's important if we think that the state should be creating the condition for children's lives to go well, or in other words, acting in kind of acts of effective paternalism, doing a good job of paternalizing children, which children have a right to, given that they don't yet have a fully developed capacity for autonomy, and so their ability to good lives to lead good lives in the hands of others to a much greater extent than it is in the case of adults. Is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't already discussed? Um, no, I think these are the, the most important questions in, in this area. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I think I've, I've said everything. Oh, well, thank you very much for coming onto the program today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I've been speaking with Dr. Luada Fasioli about citizenship for children. Well, that's all we have time for today. Hope you've enjoyed the program and stay tuned for the fabulous Swing and Sway.